Okay, well, good morning again. If you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, Turn on your device, whatever it is, however you're going to have access to the Bible this morning. Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to start with the scripture reading. So turn over there quickly. Now, as you're turning over there, I'll remind you that this summer, uh, we've spent a lot of time in Hebrews 11. We've been studying faith and the different aspects of faith. We've looked at the different stages of faith. We've looked at some of the characters that are listed in Hebrews 11, like Abraham and Moses. And what I want to do to start this morning is read over the end of Hebrews 11, which is all the summary statements of all these faithful people. And then I want to get into Hebrews 12 and verse 1 and really dive deeper into that for most of this lesson. But let me begin by reading Hebrews 11, starting in verse 32 through chapter 12, verse 1. And what more should I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the raging fire, escaped the edge of the sword, won strength out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received their dead by resurrection. Others were tortured, refusing to accept release in order to obtain a better resurrection. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned to death, they were sawn in two, they were killed by the sword, they went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, persecuted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in caves and in holes of the ground. Who wants to be a part of this faith? Uh, who wants to follow Jesus? It's, it's a difficult road, is what the Hebrew writer is telling us, and there's a lot who have walked that road. Verse 39, yet all these... Though they were commended for their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better so that they would not, apart from us, be made perfect. Chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us. Now, I think that those words we just read, that's a very powerful passage, just kind of summarizing a faith history of all these people and all the things that they went through, and then in chapter 12, verse 1, comparing life or our faith journey to a race or a long-distance race. In the 1968 Olympics, uh, there was a runner from Tanzania named Joseph Aquari. Uh, He came all the way from Tanzania to compete in the marathon, and about halfway through the marathon, I don't know exactly what happened, but he fell and he got hurt and he was hurt badly. He dislocated some joints in his knee along with other injuries, but he kept going. And everybody had finished the marathon that was going to finish. Most of the people in the crowd started to go home. Most of the camera crew started to pick up and leave. And then they got word about an hour later, there's still one runner left and he's getting ready to finish. And so some of the camera crews set back up, and one reporter came over to watch this, and he, he comes in, and he goes across the finish line with a small crowd, some cheering, things like that, over an hour after the last runner had finished. And this reporter walked up to him and said, if you're hurt this bad, why did you finish? Why did you keep going? 
And he said, my country did not send me 5,000 miles to start a race. They sent me 5,000 miles to finish a race. That was a pretty powerful quote, and it's a pretty well-known, famous quote by this point. My country didn't send me just to start a marathon. They sent me to finish a marathon. And all these names that we read about in Hebrews chapter 11, especially some of these summaries that we just read, and life being, our faith journey being like a race, these characters finished their race. They didn't just start it and when times got tough and when they hit bumps in the roads or they had difficulties or trials or or temptations, they didn't walk away. They kept going and they persevered all the way to the end. My focus this morning is I really want to focus on chapter 12 and verse 1 because I think chapter 12 verse 1 brings most of it together. There's like three parts to chapter 12 verse 1 and I want to break that down. We're going to exegete chapter 12 verse 1. And we're going to look at what it meant, but also what it means to us today. So he gives all these names, and then chapter 12, verse 1, he says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. If you've ever read this before, you probably think this is also a powerful way of summarizing everything. A great cloud of witnesses. If you're unfamiliar with this or you haven't studied it in a while, you may be thinking, who are the great cloud of witnesses? What does that mean? Surrounded by the great cloud of witnesses, that's all the names that were listed in Hebrews chapter 11. Names that we studied in detail the last two weeks, Abraham and Moses. But if you scan, span over all the, by faith, by faith, by faith, you have, you have Abel and you have Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Moses, Moses' parents. You have Jacob and Joseph and then you have, start to have some summary statements and you have Rahab and then you have David and Barak and Samson and, and just all these names. Those are the great cloud of witnesses that are mentioned in Hebrews 12.1, along with Daniel And Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Elijah, Elisha, Zechariah, Isaiah, Jeremiah, these guys are not mentioned by name in Hebrews 11, but those summary statements we just read, their stories are referenced, and even more than that. So all of these characters, all of these people who lived by faith, those are the great cloud of witnesses. And the Hebrew writer says, we're surrounded by them. We're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Do we have any Star Wars fans? Okay, I'm, I'm, not re- I'm kind of a casual Star Wars fan. I was, some of you kind of perked up when I said that, so I know we have a few. Okay, I know Star Wars. I've seen the movies. I, I don't know all the characters, but I know the main characters. And I remember this scene from Return of the Jedi, the last Star Wars movie, when they had this great victory, and Luke Skywalker, and Han Solo, and Princess Leia, and whoever else, all these troll-looking characters and things like that are all celebrating, and over in the distance, Luke looks up, and he sees Obi-Wan Kenobi, and Yoda, and Anakin Skywalker, and they appear as holograms. So while they're celebrating, the men who had gone on before them were, were like watching over them, giving their approval. So every time I read Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, and I read this cloud of witnesses, for whatever reason, that scene from Return of the Jedi comes to mind. Or maybe this is a more helpful picture. Somebody added in some extra characters. So I, not that the Hebrew writer saying they appear as holograms, but I'm picturing in this picture, you got Moses and Abraham and Sarah, and you have Rahab, and you have Daniel and David, and you have all these great characters, and it's like they're cheering us on. They've gone on before us. They stayed faithful to the very end. They finished their race, and they are cheering us on. 
So the image of Hebrews 12.1 is that of a race. And when you, if you've ever watched a marathon, maybe you've participated in one, or maybe you've just seen races on TVs or movies, usually there are people that are lined up on the side as the runners are going by cheering for you. So if you hit a wall, if you're hurting, if you're wanting to quit, sometimes you're encouraged by people that maybe they're your family or your friends, or maybe they're even people that you don't know that are cheering for you like you see in this picture. Or maybe not just along the sides, but even at the end, like this person named Rudy that ran a marathon, and she had her whole crew, family and friends, matching t-shirts and signs and, and everything right there at the finish line. So when she finished, they were there to celebrate with her. My favorite picture that I found was this guy and his baby <laughs> who had a sign that said, hurry up, mom, I'm hungry. So whatever motivates you, maybe that motivated her to finish the marathon, but it's this idea, this picture of life, our faith journey is like a race, it's like a long distance race, and we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, and we find ourselves in these stories, and we're always kind of looking for application, well, what does this mean to me? And as I've spent a lot of time in Hebrews 12 and verse 1 especially, the one thing that I'm thinking about, and that I think that maybe would be helpful for you to think about, is who is cheering you on? Imagine yourself running a marathon, and some of you are like, no, that's never going to happen. Well, imagine life being a marathon, your faith journey being a marathon, and you get to those places where you're like, I can't go any further. I just want to quit, or you're contemplating stopping. Who are the people in your life who have been, who's been on the journey with you, who's in your life right now who are encouraging your faith, who are inspiring you? Who are the people that would be lined up on the sides cheering you on to keep going? Who are the people that would be at the finish line supporting you and encouraging you? Maybe it's a, an aunt or an uncle or a grandparent or your parents, or maybe it's a good friend from church or somebody from a previous church you're at, or maybe it's a church leader. I'm not sure who it would be, but if you, if you sat there and you just thought, who are the people in my life, who are the great cloud of witnesses in my life who are supporting me, who are cheering me on? And specifically, what I mean by that is cheering you on on your faith journey. Not just in life, not just going to support you with whatever you do, but supporting you as you walk in faith. Who are those people? I was telling Jessica last night on the way home from dinner that I was going to ask this question, and I've, I've been thinking about this question quite a bit this week myself, and I told her I think there's two things. One is we should probably go back and tell some people thank you. Because through our early years and up until now, we've had people along the way who have been supporters, people who have encouraged us, and the reason that we're still faithful is because they've been involved in our lives. So we should go back and say thank you. And in light of this question, who's our great cloud of witnesses? Who's cheering us on? We should really pray about that, maybe make a list, and maybe go out and pursue people that we want to be involved in our lives and we want cheering us on. So chapter 12, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. So now, keeping in mind a race, this is a picture of an object or an obstacle or something being in the way. If you've ever run uh, cross-country, 
You know, you're out in a field somewhere, you might be running, and there could be a pothole, there could be a hole in the ground, there could be something that could cause you an, cause an injury or stump you or, or mess you up somehow, or maybe you're on the track and somebody left a hurdle out, or somebody just throws a banana peel out there and you slip on it. I don't know, there could, there's obstacles along the way, there's things that could get in the way that could cause injury. And so he's saying, let us get rid of those things, the sin that so easily entangles. I ran my first and my last half marathon January 1st, 2013. Maybe I shouldn't say last. Maybe I'll do it again someday, but probably my last one. Uh, it's a half marathon. If you don't know what a half marathon is, it, it is what it claims to be. It's half of a marathon, so it's 13.1 miles. And I trained with, and I ran this with two of my friends, Jared and Jason. We've been training for several months getting ready to run this. And we got up on January 1st, a very cold morning. It was in the 20s when we got up. But we persevered. We, we showed up for the race. And then we took off. And Jason, his girlfriend, uh, who's now his wife, his girlfriend was there. She was the girlfriend at the time. And I guess he was wanting to impress her because she's also a runner. So he took off. And within the first mile, we couldn't even see him anymore. We had trained together, but he was gone. So it was just me and Jared running together. And we were making pretty good time. We were encouraging each other. We, we weren't alone, which I think helped a lot. And then right around mile 11 or 12, Jared started breaking down. He started having these back spasms that were knocking him to his knees. So we would have to, we would run for a few minutes and then we'd stop and he'd be on the ground grabbing his back. And then finally he just, like in a very dramatic way, said, man, just go on. You finish the race. You've worked hard for this. I'll catch, I'll get there when I get there. You go finish. And being a good friend, I said, no, I'm staying with you. We started this thing together. We're going to finish together. So I was trying to be a good friend. I, I could picture it being a scene in a movie. It was that dramatic. <laughs> So I stayed with him the whole way, and we got to the very last part, which you see in this picture. And I guess he got a sudden burst of energy. He grabbed my arm, and he yanked me back, and he took off sprinting. <laughs> and he finished about five to ten seconds ahead of me, so he could officially finish ahead of me. So I'm thinking, what a punk. You know, I helped him, stayed with him the whole way, and then on the record books, he had a better time than I did. And guess who was there to cheer us on when we finished? And nobody, because it was freezing cold and it's really boring to watch a race. Well, Jason was there because he had finished ahead of us, so he's the one that took the picture. All right, but that's my example of running a marathon, and, or not even a marathon, a half marathon. But going back to that, thinking about uh, not just the physical toll that it takes on you, but the mental burdens and the little obstacles that we had to face along the way, the things that made us want to just say, I quit, I'm going to stop, this isn't worth it. And I think what's in mind in the second part of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, is let us throw off those weights. Let us throw off those things that, that hinder our journey. The sin that so easily entangles. So that we can run the race without quitting. So that we can run the race and, and run this race called life effectively. So the second question that I think Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, wants us to ask of ourselves is what's in your way? As you live life, as you run this race called faith, your faith journey, what gets in the way? 
What are some of the things in your own life? Maybe it's bad habits. Maybe it's addictions. Maybe it's just bad influences in your life. I don't know. If you were doing some real self-reflection, you could probably answer that question for yourself. But what gets in the way? What causes you to stumble? What's slowing you down? What's stunting your growth in this journey? Who's cheering you on? Who are your great cloud of witnesses? And what are the things that are in the way that you need to leave behind? Two weeks ago, we looked at the Abraham story. And Abraham was called by God in Genesis chapter 12 to go. But I told you that in order for Abraham to go, he had to leave behind a life of idol worship and worshiping foreign gods. So in order to go, he had to leave something behind. And I ask you that lesson, what do you need to leave behind? So this question is very similar. What's in your way? What are things that are causing you to stumble? What are some things that maybe you need to leave behind? And then the third part of this verse is, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. I highlighted this word perseverance, and I'm going to define it for you. An easy, simple definition of perseverance is maintaining the Christian faith through difficult times. Maintaining the Christian faith through difficult times. The way the Hebrew writer uses this word persevere, it's almost synonymous with how he uses the word faith in chapter 11. By faith, by faith, by faith. By faith, all these characters persevered. They maintain their faith through difficult times. Through being sawn in two and being destitute, and being persecuted, and suffering, and living in holes in the ground, and living in caves, they persevere. Earlier this year, I did a a short sermon series on the book of Daniel, back in January. And on the last day in January, we did Daniel chapter 6. And this is when Daniel's thrown into the lion's den. I titled this sermon, Longevity. And I told you that most people don't realize this, but Daniel was around 80 years old when he was thrown into the lion's den. He was taken captive in Daniel chapter 1, but he was probably a teenager, maybe 20 years old. So by the time you get to Daniel chapter 6, by the time you get to Daniel being persecuted because of his faith, because he refused to give up praying, by the time you get to that, it's almost been six decades that he's been living in exile as a captive. That's longevity. But I think persevere goes along with this, in the same boat. Persevere, maintaining the Christian faith through difficult times. Longevity, still effectively following God, doing what God wants you to do through the ups and the downs that life gives. Abraham was called when he was 75 years old, and he dies at 175. So I told you that was 100 years of road-tested faith. Moses wasn't called in the burning bush until he was 80 years old, so he had about 40 years of trying to lead people through the ups and the downs, persevering through all of it. I do think one of the best definitions of persevere comes from Rocky Balboa. Uh, And I'm going to try something a little different this morning. Instead of telling you what Rocky said, I'm going to try to play this clip for you if it'll work. And I want you, this is Rocky Balboa, you know, there's like 15 Rocky movies, but there were the original five, and then later he came out with Rocky Balboa. This is when he goes back for one last match as an older guy, and his son doesn't want him to do it, so the scene that you're going to watch, if it'll work, the son pulls Rocky out of a restaurant and is griping at him, and then I want to listen to, I want you to listen to the words that Rocky gives to his son, because I think if you look at it through a Christian lens, this gives us a great definition of what perseverance is all about. 
All right. So chapter 12, verse 1 says, Let us run the race marked out for us with perseverance. And thank you, Rocky, for, I think, giving us a great definition of what perseverance is all about. If you notice in his little speech to his son, and I'm not going to do the Rocky voice, but I'm tempted to do it. He said, life ain't all sunshine and rainbows. And then he says, it's a a cruel, mean world out there, and it will knock you to your knees, and it will keep you there permanently if you let it. That's true. I mean, for those of you who have walked this road for a while, we know that's true. Life is difficult. And if we let it, it will permanently keep us down. All these characters we're reading about in Hebrews 11, they went through things that could have and should have kept them down, but they remained faithful. They persevered. And then Rocky goes on to say, it's not about how hard you can hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep coming. So I just think that's a fantastic definition of what persevere is, maintaining the Christian faith through difficult times. Or you could define it the way that Rocky defines it. Um, My good friend Jared that I told you about that I ran the half marathon with, um, he's been down the road longer than I have with raising kids. And so uh, I was asking him for some parenting advice a few months ago. And I told him, you know, it's difficult as a dad to watch sometimes when other kids are being too rough with my kids or picking on them or bullying them. One day we went to the park and some kid that we never met before started playing with my son. They're about the same age. And then I look up and he's got his hands around Christian's throat and he's about to push him off a pretty high spot in the playground. And so all I'm thinking, I'm trying not to be like a helicopter parent, but I'm also thinking, you know, when do they fight their own battles and when do you step in? I think that's a time when you step in. But I was telling Jared, I was like, man, the fleshly side of me, the worldly side of me wants to put them through some like rigorous jujitsu training and all sorts of stuff so that they can be like combat killers. So when other kids are messing with them, they'll learn quickly not to mess with them. I was like, I know that's like the, the fleshly side of me. And he said something that I needed to hear, but I didn't want to hear. But his advice to me was, sometimes as parents, we have to teach them how much they can endure. We have to teach them how much they can endure. That doesn't mean you let them get tortured to death or they're never able to defend themselves, but he said they might be tougher than you're giving them credit for. They're more resilient than maybe you're thinking they are. They can endure more than as a parent you want to protect them from. And so I take that advice and I look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, run the race with perseverance, and that's the third question, is how much can you endure? If that question were asked to all these characters from Hebrews 11, I don't know how they would answer it, but they endured a lot. And they kept going, they kept moving forward, they persevered in their faith. So the three questions... Who's cheering you on? Who are your great cloud of witnesses in your life? What's in your way? What's the sin that you're getting caught up in that's causing you to stumble? And how much can you endure? How much can you keep going? I want to end with a passage from James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4, and then we'll wrap this up. James says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. That's a paradox. Consider it joy when you face trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, and let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. According to James chapter 1, 
the way that perseverance and testing and trials works is it does something to you. And it may be really difficult in the time, and you may go through multiple trials, but it does something to you. And if you can persevere, if you can keep your faith and remain faithful through all these times, James says you'll be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You'll be able to handle anything at that point. There's a progression to it. So maybe today you may be thinking, well, I'm asking the question, how much can you endure? And a lot of you may be going through something right now, and maybe you're thinking, I, I can't endure much more. This is almost more than I can handle. If that's the case, maybe today you shouldn't leave without being prayed for by one of our shepherds. Or maybe that you're thinking of the who's cheering you on. Maybe you're thinking, I haven't really surrounded myself with the right people. And I need a better support system. I need those people encouraging me in my faith and maybe need to step away from certain influences and into better areas of your life. If that's the case, then don't leave today without starting that, without having some conversations, without meeting a few people that can become that support system. Or maybe there's some sin in your life, those glaring sins, these secret sins, whatever it may be, that's causing you to stumble, that's stagnating your growth. And you know, maybe today's a good day to repent and to try to make a change in your life. Maybe you've been thinking about being baptized and you're ready to follow Jesus or you want to know more about what that's all about. Any of these questions, any of these thoughts, we have shepherds around the room this morning. We'll have some in the back. We'll have one up front with me. If you need to respond to the invitation, you can do that. Or if you want to think about it and you need to talk to somebody later, set that up. The invitation doesn't end in a two-minute window. But we want you to know that as we sing this song, we invite you to respond, we invite you to come up front, and we invite you to grab one of our shepherds, and you can do that right now. Let's stand and sing.